Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 899. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, sponsorships, please email me at rabbiyismach at take10fortorah.org. It's been a while, but it's really great to be back. So one of my favorite topics is the topic of Miriam. Miriam and the women of Egypt. Miriam is a particularly significant character in the Exodus in the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The Pasuk in Micha tells us, I brought you up from the land of Egypt, Hashem says, and I took you out of the house of bondage, the Eshlach Lefanecha Es Moshe, Aaron, Umiriam. I sent before you Moshe and Aaron and Miriam. So Moshe and Aaron were think their roles are a little bit more known. They interfaced with Paro directly. Moshe, of course, was Moshe. Aaron was his interpreter. Aaron caused some of the Makwas, but what did Miriam do? So we're going to see that Miriam was one of the key figures in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So the Pasuk, of course, we know in the beginning of Shemot, tells us, The children of Israel were fruitful, and they teamed, and they increased, and they became very strong. And of course, that became a threat to Paro, and so Paro had them get to work, and even though they would, Kenya Froats, even though he made them work harder, they would of course multiply even more. He comes upon this plan, we're going to kill the boys, that it seems also because he had some sort of knowledge or foreknowledge that there was going to be a savior that would come from the males of the Jewish people. And so, as we know, he enlists the help of the midwives. He attempts to get them to kill the baby boys. Of course, they beg off. They say, we can't. The Jewish women are too good at making babies. And because they're so good at having babies, they don't even need our help. So there's nothing we can do. So, of course, at that point, Amram Gadol Hadar Haya, the Gemara and Sota tells us, and Kim and Shrash, Amar Paro HaRasha, because Paro had a better idea. Paro had the idea that, you know, forget about the midwives, I'm going to go kill the babies myself. So he then goes and separates, of course, famously from his wife. He says, We don't need to have babies, we don't need to be married and make families, because what's the point? Paro's going to kill them anyway. So he got up, the Gemara says, and he divorced his wife. So everybody followed his lead and did it as well. Of course, the Medrash tells us, Amr Lobito, his daughter Miriam, says, Abba Paro. You're worse than Paro, because Paro Paro only wanted to get rid of the males. But because of what you're doing and the separation between husband and wife, you're getting rid of both males and females. And so finally, he goes back to his wife Yocheved, as the Torah describes, because the Medrash says, the daughter Miriam. Now, of course, Miriam is associated with both of these parts, saves the Jewish babies from death originally because she is identified as Pua. Rashi says the two midwives were one was Shifra, one was Pua. Rashi says Pua zu Miriam. Why is she called Pua? Because Al Shem Shapua Umadaberes. She cries and speaks and coos when the baby needs to be relaxed. That's how Rashi understands. But the Medrash says, no, Pua Shehofia Hapanam Keneged Paro Mabo. She showed her face against Paro. She stuck her nose up at him. And that could be understood, of course, because she told Paro, sorry, nothing we could do about killing the babies. Or also because she was the one who convinced her father to get back together, to eventually have the son, which would be Moshe. So in round one, she saves the Jews by, by not killing the baby boys and using what Paro's plan was to use herself as a midwife to destroy the boys, but also gets her father back together with his wife to make, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu. But there's even more to it because she, Gemara Sota says, 
Pua Burach HaKodesh. She spoke with the Holy Spirit. She had more than an inclination. She had some sort of prophecy that she knew that her brother, her mother's child, would be the one who would be the Savior. And so, the Gemara in Sota, as well the Gemara in Megillah, talks about how she prophesied well before Moshe was even born. Her prophecy was that this boy would be the one. The Chimit Shinola Nesmali Kalabayas Kula Ar. And when he was born, the whole house was filled with light, the Medrash in the Gemara describes. Amar Aviyah Venashkal Rosha. So her father came and kissed her on the head. Amar Labiti Neskaim Nevoaseich. And he says, my daughter, your prophecy became fulfilled. And then they had to go and take him and throw him into the river, which was the new plot, of course, that Paro had to kill the boys. So they went and did this and put him in a basket, as the Torah describes. So Amram doesn't really know. Again, Amram, the Gadol Hadar, as described in the Medrash, he says, he goes over to his daughter, and as the Medrash describes, the Tafcha Arosha, like taps her on the head and says, Where is your prophecy? What happened with this boy that you said would be the Savior, this boy who the whole house filled up with light when he was born? And so she went down to the water to watch, as the Torah describes, and the reason is because she was so vested in this. So again, altogether, she saves the Jewish boys from the plot with midwives. She puts together her parents to make Moshe, and then it's her prophecy and her strength of prophecy that dictate that we're going to make Moshe survive and last through this experience in the Yar. And so it's not surprising when the Gemara tells us that Shlosha Parnasim Tovim Amduli Yisrael, there were three Parnasim Tovim, three great patrons, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, and in the merit of those three, we had, of course, the three miracles in the desert, the sustenance that we had, the water, the most basic and simple one, was Bishus Miriam. The clouds, of course, were because of Aaron, and the man, the food, was in the merit of Moshe, which is the most basic, of course, of these three. The water. The water comes from Miriam. Now that is fascinating, and we see this at the end of the story as well. But if you think about it, Moshe had Akaras Atov, gratitude, because the water had saved him. But the water, after she dies, at the end of the story of the desert, the water stops because of her. She is the one who is, so to speak, as the Pasuk Anicha says, the Savior, because nothing happens without Miriam's faith. Nothing happens with her being able to stand up to Paro to be the Pua of Ruach HaKodesh, the Pua of the babies, and the Pua of Shehofia HaPanim, Keneged Paro. She was the one who faced off against Paro. But of course this goes further, and we see how popular Miriam was amongst the people. We have the episode later on where Miriam speaks Lashon Hara against her brother Moshe, and of course, as the Sfas Emes reminds us, that her Lashon Hara was only a bad thing, I mean, she was saying, uh, in order to get him back together with his wife, I mean, it ostensibly is a nice and positive thing that she was doing, but the Sfas Emes says, because of her greatness, because this was Miriam, God is careful with his righteous people like a hare's breath. And so it's only due to her righteousness that she suffers at all, and she gets excluded, she gets kicked out of the camp because she has... Tsaras. Now it's really interesting what happens then, because we find in the Pesukim we have this Zacharis Asher Hashem Miriam. We're supposed to remember this. Now ostensibly we're supposed to remember it because of the difficulty and the evil of Lashon Hara, but it's more than that because we also remember something else. We remember, as the Orachayim says, at the end of the story of Ha'am 
Lo nasa. The people did not leave. They did not travel without Miriam. Now she can catch up, right? She's just one person. Of course she can catch up, but they refused to because of perhaps her popularity, because of the kavod that, uh, that she deserved. And so the people did not move. Not just that the camp didn't move because God said so, but the Archaim points out the people themselves refused to move. And so I'd like to close with perhaps what is the most impressive thing and you could use in this week's parsha and see so clearly. When the Jews leave Egypt, of course, they are in a rush. They barely have provisions. They have the food that they've uh, set up and prepared for themselves to go. And of course, they have their bitsekam, their dough, that doesn't even have a chance to rise because they are in such a rush to leave. And then we have, at the end of the story over here, we have the story in Bishalach that after Az Yashir, after the Jews sing, Vatikach Miriam Hanavia, Achos Aron, Es Hatof Biada, Miriam the Nevia, who was the Nevia while she was still Achos Aron, before even Moshe, the Pasuk reminds us. She takes the tof, she takes the tambourine, whatever the instrument was, Vatetzena. They leave with tambourines and with dances. And Rashi says something that is so remarkable. What does it mean? The righteous women of that generation were so confident that miracles would be done. They took drums with them from Mitzrayim. Who in the world who is running and escaping from their oppressors in Egypt has the wherewithal, has the mind, has the confidence in what will happen next to take drums, to be ready to celebrate on the salvation that they know is about to occur, that is Miriam. She begins the story by having the confidence to speak up and against Paro, to speak up against her Gadol Hadar father, who she doesn't believe is doing the right thing, who comes together with his wife to make the baby Moshe, who she is confident will be the savior, does everything she can to make sure that he survives. She ends up being the basis of the sustenance of the Jewish people, of the water, and it is no surprise that she was the one who brought the drum because of her confidence and her faith. And there's so many lessons to learn from Miriam, our Redeemer. Have a great day.